Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Well, today we are going to be talking about this idea of cutting the cords. But to get there, to understand what it is, I guess, that we're, we're cutting out of our lives, we need to do a little bit of preliminary work. As you know, we're using Gabriel Bernstein's book, The Judgment Detox, this month, to start putting some of our judgments in a better frame, to maybe leave off some of our negative judgments and turn them more into just our preferences, where, where no one is harmed, and we feel still that our own desires and values are upheld. I occurred to me, and in fact, I got a comment on Facebook earlier this week, there's this six-stage process we're doing, and if you're taking notes, it might be hard to actually enumerate what those six steps are. And so if you go to our website, I I actually did a little cheat sheet. I, I took notes for you. And so if you go to our website on any of the talks this month, you'll see a link to the actual detox six-step process outline. So if you want to be reminded at home of how this works later on, feel free to download that or, or view it online. So far, we've covered the first three steps, and today we're going to tackle a couple more, step number four and step number five. And I think as a, an introduction to step number four, we'll use a joke today. So this is a, one of my Sunday school stories. Ms. Ashburn was a new teacher helping out in youth church. She finished reading the Bible story of the fall of Jericho out of Joshua 6. And then she asked her Sunday school class, who can tell me who brought down the walls of Jericho? Well, there was stunned silence. And finally, one little boy in the second row said, wasn't me, I swear, it wasn't me. I didn't bring him down. Well, the teacher was surprised. Nobody knew the answer. And she reported what had happened to the other teachers at the end of youth church. One of the other teachers asked, The boy uh, who answered, was he the little one with red hair and glasses? Yes, she replied. Well, said the other teacher, I know him. And if he said that he didn't bring the walls down, then he didn't. Well, now Miss Ashburn was quite upset. She decided to go to the senior minister. She told her what had happened and the reaction of the other teachers who should have known better. Everybody should have known that story. Well, the minister looked at her for a moment and then she said, Look, Miss Ashburn, you're new around here and there's no point in taking up some trouble around this. Just write me up an invoice for the damage done to those walls and we'll get it taken care of. Well, the reason I bring up that kind of uh, sad joke is with the idea of how we view life. Everyone in that particular joke had a different view and a different set of judgments, even though the issue was the same. So the little boy obviously had been uh, accused of things in the past, wanted to make sure that everyone knew he hadn't brought down the walls. The teachers wanted to defend the little boy rather than really even listening to what the teacher had to say. They had their own view of what was going on that was different. And then, of course, the administrator of the church, in this case the senior minister, what was her take on it? Well, people were used to bringing her problems that could be solved through, a, through an invoice. And so that was where she said it. Not even, not even particularly thinking that the issue was a theological one, but rather having something to do with the plant and facilities of the church. 
Do you see how each of us has our worldview? Each of us has our set of buttons that we talked about last week that can be triggered innocently by someone else. Each one of us tends to navigate towards a solution, a way of being, some kind of a process that they're familiar with. And typically that familiarity comes from things that happened in the past. And so today, in order to move forward, I think we need to look into things that have happened in our past. Maybe a story is in order. I think this is a story that probably you'll be familiar with. When I was a kid, I was artistically inclined, I think they said it. That was probably code words for something else. But I remember always taking art classes and being very interested as a, as a very young person and doing craft projects and drawing and art and things like that. And I remember that my mom had a way, and I'm sure she wasn't intending it, but of just cutting the legs out from under me. She, she had that tendency to find in something beautiful the one flaw, and she would tend to notice that. Honestly, years later, what I realized was she was wanting me to improve myself. I mean, her, her heart was in it, right? She wanted me to become a great artist, and her way of, uh, of coaching me around that was to find the little things that could be improved upon. I, of course, took that in an entirely different direction. I thought she was being critical, and it tended to have me feel that I wasn't very good at things. Okay, anyway, that was what was going on when I was seven, when I was eight, when I was nine years old. Well, fast forward a few years, right? I'm in uh, art school at University of Oregon. Fast forward a few more years, although I'm in the business world, I have a, a lovely hobby of doing fused glass artwork and am somewhat known for it in the community, uh, invited to uh, participate in a number of art shows and, and really doing a, a lovely job of of, of bringing fused glass to the world as an art form. Well, I remember when my mom was, oh gosh, I guess she was in her mid-60s, she came to one of my shows. And uh, it was at the Oregon Convention Center, and there were a number of us fused glass artists there. And she had wandered through the different exhibits and, and came to sit with me in my little booth. And she started telling me how some of my art pieces weren't quite as good <laughs> as some of the other art pieces. Now keep in mind, right, I'm 40 years old now. I'm not, I'm not six, I'm not seven, I'm not eight. And yet it was as though I was. I swear to God, within two sentences, she reduced me to seven years old, and I felt like I was fighting over my mom with a, a drawing made in crayons and ink rather than a fused glass piece of art worth several hundred dollars, right? I think all of us have had occasion when someone or something brought us back to some painful time in childhood and suddenly we're that age and we're lashing out with the fury of a seven-year-old in total reaction. This, in the book, Gabriel Bernstein talks about is having a, a relationship with someone that is 
trapped in time. And, and in a little minute, we'll, we'll use a metaphor as though we had established a, a cord between the two of us and that, that cord of energy, that cord of experience, that, that connection that we have that is like a, a data transmission line or a cord gets stuck in some ways. And we, we behave in certain ways when we're around that person and it often will take us back into time where, where we're both in judgment of one another. For me, in that moment, I felt like I was being judged as not good enough. And, and in that moment, she felt that she was being judged as a bad mother, right? We were both standing in that 25-year-old relationship that had been set up in a certain way and acting out just as though she was still my mom when I was seven years old. So what is this? What, what is this that's going on and how can we move through it? Well, step four of the judgment detox is to see things from a fresh perspective. And there are several different ways that we can do that, but, but I want to set this up properly, I think. When we say that we want to see things from a fresh perspective, we want to get out of that connection that we had with people and things when we were seven years old, when we were eight years old, when, when someone did us wrong and we're in that position of, of closing our heart up. What happens is we're always then looking at that person or that issue or that group of people from that, that frozen perspective in time. And we tend to lash out, we tend to react, we tend to be in judgment, just as though that thing that happened is still going on. And so the idea here is, what if we drop that? What if we, what if we cut that cord? What if we were able to move beyond the relationship when something went wrong and establish a new viewpoint? establish a, a fresh viewpoint. So, so as in my joke, rather than reacting as the minister who is used to having to sign off on invoices to make things happen, or the little boy that was used to being accused, how can we move forward in time and take things just as they're coming, rather than initially setting up that judgment? Well, I do have some ideas for you, and, and I think I'll start with a, another story for something that happened to me a few years back. In my mid-40s, I was actually working for the telephone company, and I had a boss that was in Denver, Colorado. My unit of uh, programmers, uh, computer programmers, was actually pretty instrumental in doing some things for the telephone company that made them a lot of money and, and saved a lot of effort, and we were pretty well regarded. Oftentimes, people would ask for, for my team of software engineers to, to participate on things, and, uh, and we were well known as a, a group that got things done and also well-known for a cohesive group, a group that got along well and was able to tackle some of the tough projects. At the time, however, I had a boss that was just a stinker. Have you ever worked for someone who, I don't even know how to say this without using four-letter words, I'll, I'll resist, but in every way, every classical way, he was a stinker of a boss. He seldom gave out any praise, and his idea of praising someone would just be to hand them a check, and you'd be surprised because you weren't expecting a raise, or, or you weren't expecting some kind of a bonus, and he would just throw it on your desk and walk away. It wasn't any sense really of achievement it was like a, well okay so I guess I'm doing okay I 
I, I got a small raise. And the other thing he would do is he absolutely would seek out the one thing that was going wrong. And in a big group of people, he would accuse people of doing that wrong thing so that you would turn bright red in shame in a group of maybe 20 or 30 people. And I got to tell you, Oh my gosh, I hated staff meetings. Uh, we had caller ID, of course, on our phones. And when I could see that it was him calling, I always had this urge just to let it keep ringing. <laughs> right? He was bringing out all the worst things in me. And oh my gosh, did I judge him? I judged him as a, a bad supervisor. I judged him as a bad manager. I judged him just as a stinky human being. And I, I could have listed a, a thousand ways that I was a better manager, a, a better person, right? That typical place in judgment where I'm elevating myself and just sinking him down lower and lower and lower. There was a part of me, though, at the time that realized what I was doing was I was binding myself up into negativity around this work, though. And this was a job I liked. This was a job that I was successful in. And yet, because of my judgment, I was really binding myself into something that was unpleasant. It was difficult often as the manager of that team to even come into work when I knew that he would be there on a conference call or things like that. Well, I happened to be in Denver for a few months working on another project, and, and lo and behold, I get a call not from my boss, but my boss's wife asking me to dinner. I was stuck. What am I going to do with this, right? I don't want to get any closer to this guy. He's like crazy. Who knows what he'll say at a staff meeting, right? It's like the last thing I wanted to do was hang out with him. But I thought to myself, I almost sort of have to, right? This is part of, I guess, getting ahead or, or whatever it was. And so I went to dinner at his house. And what was interesting was I got to see him from a completely fresh set of eyes. Suddenly the world was put on hold in terms of work, in terms of coworkers, in terms of projects. And his wife had planned just a, a lovely evening of chit-chat and food. And they did a little tour of the neighborhood. He lived in a beautiful part of Denver. And there was a park nearby and we went for a walk. And, and one of the things that, that really struck me too, here was a man that seemed really cruel in many ways in the office. And he was so tender, not only with his wife, but he had gotten a parrot. Uh, and the parrot, it seemed to me, was kind of mean. He actually had scars on his fingers where it had bit him. But he talked about that parrot was such tenderness. They had plans for that parrot. They were going to make sure that it was well cared for. And I could just see the love between him and, and this new pet that they had, his joy in being out in his yard and the joy he had in his community. And what I realized through this new vision, through this fresh look, was that I had judged this man poorly. Now, was it true that he maybe wasn't a very good manager of people? I suspect that that is true. But in every other way, this was a nice man, a kind man, a loving man. 
just in that one isolated situation, it was having a negative impact on me. So this is what Gabriel Bernstein is talking about, of getting a fresh view. If you feel that someone has wronged you, if, if you feel that someone has done something that has, has bound you up or, or limited your success or, or has their thumb on you or is in some way creating an environment that, that is less than ideal, we, we're quick to judge based on that isolated cord that we've developed, that, that one set of interactions that tends to happen at a certain point of time in a certain environment, given a certain set of circumstances, and we base judgment on that entire person on that one fact or that one environment or that one period in time. Bernstein is saying that if we can take the time, if we can make the time to actually learn more about this person and, and do it from a fresh set of eyes that the judgment may simply drop away on its own. Well, to finish up my story with this old boss, when I realized that he was a decent man, when I realized that there was love in his heart and the capability of great joy, I simply made an appointment to see him in his office and I went in and I explained how from that point on, I intended to be treated. And I simply told him no longer would it be acceptable for him to, uh, to talk badly about me or anyone on my staff in a meeting. And I just explained that I was there for him, that I would do everything within my power for him and our division to be successful. And for his part, he had to follow just a few rules for keeping us safe. And you know what? I totally disarmed him. No one apparently had ever made an appointment and just been up front in that way. Everyone had played that sort of game of hidden motivations and negative cross currents and underhanded dealings and speaking behind people's backs. And, and he was actually charmed by that. And true to the little commitment that we had made, it was as though he was a new man in our staff meetings as well. We continued to do an amazing job for him, and he became a much better manager, simply because not only were we seeing him with a fresh set of eyes, but he was seeing us with a fresh set of eyes. He, he didn't need to think that he had to have us under his thumb to get good work out of us. He knew that we were in it for the long haul. We were in it for the success of the team. So that is step four of the judgment detox. It's to begin trying to see the people that we're having trouble with through a fresh set of eyes. What's going on in their lives? What's motivating them? What might be being seen out of context that given a different context might make all the difference? So how can we begin seeing people the first time again? We can see them in context of their lives, not your life, 
but the context of their lives, we can see them in the present moment and not in the past. If this is a relationship that's been around for a long time, like that one that my mother and I had, right? Can we fast forward so that I'm not reacting as a seven-year-old anymore? That's another way that we can begin to see people with fresh eyes is moving the time scale up. What's it like to be a 70-year-old interacting with a 50-year-old rather than someone who's seven? And then finally, another key is, and this was true in my interaction with my stinky boss, just seeing how he reacted to other people, that there was love in him, that there was loyalty in him, that the way he treated other people was beautiful and kind. All right, on to step five. And uh, and for step five, I, I have a meditation for you, but let me explain a little bit about this idea of cutting the cords. Bernstein sets this up as a bit of a metaphor, but if you imagine yourself and you imagine someone that you're having trouble with, someone that you tend to judge or who judges you, she says, picture a cord in between the two of us. And this cord represents the relationship and the judgment cycle that you have with that person. And her idea is that these cords were set up in a time of difficulty. Something happened and the judging began. And the trouble with this cord is once it's established, it's just there. And whether you were seven years old when that cord was developed between you and your mother or whether you were set up with a cord between you and your boss over a negative set of circumstances at at staff meetings where he called people out, Typically, that cord is built when something went wrong, when judgment began, and the cord just stays there. And so whenever you come in contact with that person, whenever you uh, have another interaction with that person, what tends to happen is that cord will reassert yourself. You're looking from that perspective of judgment. You're looking for bad things to happen. You're looking for them to react the way they reacted when that negativity happened. You're expecting the worst. So in Science of Mind, What is it that we get when we're expecting something? We usually get what we expect. So when we're working from that framework of the negativity that went back and forth between people, when that gets solidified, that's our our go-to place. We, We simply think of that person as troublesome. We simply think of that person as hard to get along with or judgmental. We we have that set up in our mind. And of course, how are they going to react when we're expecting that? They're going to give us exactly what we're expecting. So I'd like to guide you through a meditation. Step five is to cut the cords that negatively bind us to someone else. And she recommends that the best way to do this is through meditation. So I invite you to close your eyes for a moment, if you're willing. Just sit comfortably where you are. This is a morning meditation. She recommends doing it in the morning before your busy day starts. Just sit comfortably, she says. Gently roll your shoulders back and forth to release any tension that might be there. Take a deep breath in through your nose and breathe gently out through your mouth. Breathe in and breathe out. 
Breathe in and breathe out. With each breath, you'll begin to relax more and more. You'll settle into your chair or your seat. Breathe in and breathe out. Continuing to focus on this cycle of life, this cycle of your breath. Allow your thoughts to still and feel a sense of calm radiate through you as we prepare for a healing. Gently and easily invite the person whom you've been judging into your meditation now. See them in your mind's eye standing before you. This person that you have been judging as less than. Allow yourself to feel any feelings of anger or resentment. It's okay. This is just a meditation. So allow yourselves to, to feel the energy that comes up when you think of this person. It might be anger, might be sorrow, it might be resentment. It's okay. Just be present with your feelings as you continue to breathe. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe into that discomfort that arises from seeing this person stand before you. Breathe in and breathe out. Allow those feelings to process through you. And now, if you can, notice the thick, dark cord that stretches between the two of you. This is that negative energy that you have for one another. It may be resentment, it may be judgment. In a way, it binds the two of you together in this negativity. It, it's what you reach for when you think of this person or when they think of you. Just notice this cord of negative energy flowing between you. See if you can notice where it's attached. Is it at your heart, your throat, your stomach? What is this attachment that you have? What does it look like? See this cord clearly for what it is, knowing that it doesn't have to be there. That we can see this person from a new perspective that this cord is bound by time and feelings, which, as we know, can change. See this cord between you clearly and prepare to cut it. Prepare to detach yourself from this negative energy, from this imbalance, from this judgment. In your dominant hand, Notice that you're holding a golden sword. This sword represents your desire to be free and your commitment to peace. 
When you're ready, lower the sword and simply cut the cord. The sword effortlessly slices through this energy cord and you watch it fall to the ground. Take a deep breath in and on the exhale, send out a powerful sigh of relief. The cord now begins to dissolve into the ground effortlessly. It's no longer needed. As it disappears, all remnants of the negative energy between you is let go of. Once again, you see this person standing before you, but now you can see them through fresh eyes. See them in their innocence. See them in the light. Release them and yourself from the bondage of this negative energy, of these judgments, of this resentment. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. Just know that you can repeat this meditation if you should feel that energy build up again. We have the power to form these, these attachments, these cords at any time, but we also have the power to dismiss them, to cut them at any time and start fresh. We breathe in, we breathe out. One more final breath in and out. And when you're ready, you can simply open your eyes. You know that I do a bit of homework, right? <laughs> and today is no exception. What I'd like you to do is to continue choosing perhaps one person or one thing that you have a lot of judgment around. And I'd like you, if you're able, to practice step four of the judgment detox. Again, if you're not sure of the steps, please go to our website at cslportland.org. Any of the Sundays of this month, there's a link to the six-step judgment detox worksheet. Just download that or read that to remind yourself of the steps. But step four is to pick someone that you've been judging and try to see them with fresh eyes. Someone who's in your face, someone who presses your buttons. Try to see where those buttons come from. Try to see where that judgment comes from and see if you can begin viewing that person or that situation from a fresh set of eyes. All right, well, I'm going to close today with a, a quote from the book and a prayer. She says, when you have a negative attachment to someone that you've judged, you're stuck in a negative relationship playing out the drama again and again. And that negativity goes beyond that one relationship. Your own energetic frequency puts out a lower vibration, attracting other relationships that represent the same judgment, the same separation, the same negativity. The good news is that you can heal your negative attachments through meditation.
Even one meditation can cut a cord, can release a bond, break the judgment cycle. This practice is the most important step for resolving past relationship issues and moving forward with grace. In order to move forward in new relationships and relieve yourself of the judgment and drama, you must cut the cords that have you bound together in negativity. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life, one joy, one peace, one sense of freedom, and it, and it is spirit in all of spirit's fullness. It is the, the God of freedom, the God of love, the God of joy. And what I know is because God is present everywhere, those, those same qualities of freedom, of love, of unity, of joy are there for me. They're there for me to pick up. It's God's good blessing to have them and allow me to use them in that unity of all things. And so for today, I claim for myself that ability to look with fresh eyes, to begin seeking out the, the peace and the joy, the equanimity and the freedom, even in the midst of where I have felt judged or where I judge others. As I see with fresh eyes, as I, I see the whole person that I have so poorly judged, I begin to notice that that cord of judgment, that, that negative and repetitive energy that I share with that person diminishes. It is that fresh set of eyes that sets me free. And it is cutting that cord of judgment that allows me to move forward in life, in love, in joy, and in success. As this is true for me, I know without question that it's true for everyone. Each of us has the capability of putting aside some of our past woundedness and moving forward once again with fresh eyes, with a new outlook. And so this week and the week beyond, I know we take this step four of the judgment detox to heart. We, we recognize that our lives can be fresh, can be new with each passing day. That we do not have to be trapped in this cycle of judgment. But our lives instead can be renewed through that fresh look, through that cuttings of the cords of negativity. So for this, I give great thanks. I, I look forward to this week ahead with great joy, knowing that it is new and in its newness is love, is joy, is peace, is my heart's desire. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. So glad you were here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. 
Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.